Good morning, all. Good morning. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and get started this morning. I thank you all for being here. Um, my name is Erica Albertine. I am the Director of Athletics and very excited to be here with you today and to introduce you uh, to Jen Drummond. I want to start with saying that we all do difficult things. I hope the difficult thing isn't sitting here for Convo this morning, but that might be the case for some of us. Uh, some of us have run marathons. Some of us have stopped penalty kicks in conference championships. Some of us have passed some classes in college. Lots of difficult things, and that's just a few of the ones to start out with for the day. For me, those are some examples from my life of what I have done. And I started out as a very shy kid when I was little. I moved over to England, so I was this American in England and didn't really like talking and talking in front of people. So as I was preparing for this and preparing for my career as the athletic director, thinking, how did I get from this little shy kid to this athletic director that's now standing in front of Goshen College? So with that, my dad was always one who gave me a lot of advice, and he was a business guy. He worked for Johnson Controls for Prince Corporation, and with that, they brought in leaders. So his first week out of college, they brought in a leader who was a mountaineer. And this person came in and gave this speech, talked to these leaders at the Prince Corporation, and talked about we are all climbing mountains, some physical mountains, some metaphorical. And that story really shaped my dad's career, which was almost 40 years ago now. I want to introduce you all to Jen. Jen's story is incredible. She's also a mountaineer, although not the same one that my dad listened to a long time ago. Jen's story is featured in places like Outside Magazine, ABC, and Insider. She's a devoted mom of seven, a successful entrepreneur, and an extreme athlete. She's also achieved significant business success as the founder and CEO of a thriving financial services company. I hope I didn't give away all of Jen's story, and so I'm excited to welcome her to the stage and invite you all to be present, to put your phones away, unless you're taking pictures for social media and things like that. But give me help in welcoming Jen to the stage. Thank you. Thank you. It's Barbie day and look at my pants. Ah! <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Um, thank you for letting me be here today and share my story. And we're gonna bring you to a point in my life. December 18, 2018, I'm driving home to my town in Park City, Utah. Now on the side of the road, the reservoir hadn't frozen over yet. So it grabbed my attention and I'm thinking, man, are we ever gonna get out of this statewide drought? Are we gonna get enough snow this year? Is this reservoir ever gonna freeze over? And then finally my attention gets pulled back to the road and I realize I'm coming up really hot on a semi-truck that's pulling a trailer. I mean, this semi-truck is going slower than a snail and I'm going over the speed limit. So I look in the rear view mirror and I see that I can get over. So I go to get over into the fast lane, but I don't make it. 
the trailer of the semi-truck hits the passenger side of my car. And instantly I say like, please don't let this be it. I have so much more to give and do. We all negotiate with death when we're in those situations. And so I remember telling myself to put my hands on the steering wheel, my head on the headrest, and to relax and roll with the car. Because in this situation, surrender is going to be power. So I'm telling myself, okay, I have enough momentum, I'm going to roll again and again and again. And then after the third roll, the momentum starts to slow down, and I start doing sideways rolls. And then I end up in the median. When I'm in the median, I'm waiting to get cracked by another car because Hollywood has taught us there's always another one coming. Luckily for me, it's an individual that wakes me out of what's going on. And he starts saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And he peels back the windshield, and I look at him. I'm like, man, looking at his facial expression, I don't know if I'm okay. So I close my eyes, and I wiggle my fingers and toes. And I remember saying out loud, I can feel my fingers and toes. I can feel my fingers and toes. I'm okay. And he looks at me and he goes, you are. We're going to have this conversation until the ambulance comes. So the ambulance comes. I go to the hospital. I get checked over. And I get released. I go home. I walk into the front door. I look at my seven children. And my life is not the same. That is a line in the sand for me. I get a few, few weeks after the accident, I get a phone call from the police station. They said, we've tried to rebuild this accident at least 50 different times. We cannot build one scenario where you live, let alone walk away. I'm like, yeah, that's what happened. I don't know what other information to give you. At the same time, a girlfriend of mine calls me to go for a run. Hey, Jen, let's go get a run in. You know what, I can't today, it's a little wet, I have to help at the kids' school. She's like, okay. Later on that afternoon, I get a phone call from her husband. My friend, who was running on a trail that you can push a stroller on, slipped, hit her head, and never came home. So here I'm trying to metabolize life. How do I survive this car accident that they can't rebuild a scenario and she does something healthy and doesn't get to come home. It was in that moment that I realized I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. And this life of mine is a gift from our Creator, and so my gift back is using it to the best of my ability. So 2019, becomes this huge year of the bucket list. I all of a sudden am not afraid of what everybody thinks of me. I'm afraid that this might be my last decade, my last year, my last month, my last week, my last day of living. There's a lot of things I want to see and experience and explore and become and try. So this bucket list is going to take a few like lifetimes, I'm pretty sure. I need at least four right now. And on the list was climb a mountain. 2020 is coming, and I was turning 40 in 2020. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to climb a mountain 
to signify life and the importance of this next decade. I'd only climbed one mountain before where I lived, so I asked some friends that were into mountaineering. If you could climb one mountain in the whole world, what would it be? And they said, yeah, sorry, I'm not doing this right, am I? They said a mountain named Ama de Blom. I'm like, Ama de Blom? They're like, yeah, it's the Paramount Pictures logo. It means the mother's necklace. It's located in the Himalayas. It's a beautiful mountain. I'm like, all right, I'll climb it. Fast forward a few weeks, COVID enters the scene. I'm not traveling anywhere or climbing anything anytime soon. In fact, schools shut down, so now I'm a homeschool teacher to seven beautiful humans. And one of my guys is struggling with his math homework. So I'm giving him the proverbial pep talk, like, we do hard things, you've got this. And he looks at me and he goes, Mom, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? I'm a de blom, honey, not I'm a dumb blonde, but thank you. <laughs> Finish your homework, we'll look at Everest. So he finishes his homework, we look at Everest, he goes to bed, I'm still looking at Everest, and I think, you know what, why not Everest? If Everest is the hardest mountain in the world in his mind, I'm gonna climb it and show him that whatever our Everest is, we're capable of summiting. So I call a coach, coach is like, yeah, I can get you ready, we'll be good. I'm like, okay, he's like, I'm gonna send you this book about becoming an uphill athlete. So I get the book in the mail and I start reading it and in the front, there's a foreword from a lady that just got a Guinness World Record for doing something in the Alps. And I call my coach and I'm like, I could have done that, like I can suffer. Are you kidding me? My kids would think I'm the coolest mom in the whole world if I got a Guinness World Record. And my coach is like, okay, well, I think of something. I'm like, all right, fine, but I'm not growing pumpkins or speed eating hot dogs or doing that fingernail thing that people have done. I wanna do something normal for the Guinness World Record book. He's like, I'll think of something. So a few weeks later, the coach calls me and he goes, Jen, Jen, I have the perfect record for you. He's like, I think you should be the first female to climb the seven second summits. I'm like, I don't know what those are. And he's like, yeah, let me tell you, let me tell you. It's the second highest point on each of the seven continents. It's harder than the first seven, it hasn't been done by a female, and it's actually only been done by one male before. I'm like, all right, sounds kind of cool. So I look at it, my kids and I look where all the mountains are, and I say yes. I'd never slept a night in a tent before, but you know, those were details. We would figure this out, like no big deal. So I start on the quest to become the first woman to climb the second highest point on each of the seven continents. And today, I'm gonna take you on one of those adventures. And it's the adventure of K2. K2, is located, there's the seven second summits up there. And the K2 adventure is about planting your flag. It's really fun 
to be on the top of a mountain and wave your flag. Like, I made it, here I am. Those are the photos that we see when people climb mountains, right? It's the photo of the flag at the top. We convince ourselves, we try to at least, that it's the top of the mountain that we want. And if that were truly the case, we would take helicopters and go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop and wave our flags. But the truth is, it's the journey. It's the expedition that we crave. Because then when we stand at the top of that mountain, that flag signifies all the times we could have said no, but didn't. All the times we wanted to turn around and somehow found the courage and resilience to continue. And that's why we like to wave our flags at the top. So there we are. Okay, so the point of the journey is to make sure that we're having fun. Oh, the videos might not work. Having fun while we're climbing, all right? So when you're climbing, when you pick the mountain, metaphorically or physically, that you want to climb, make sure that you build fun into the pursuit. But when I bring you to K2, this story is a story that we all share. It's a story of pursuit a story of setback, a story of second attempts, success, and finally significance. So it's 9.30 in the morning. I'm on the mountain in this spot actually right here. We're climbing up. And I have a radio on me and two porters behind me. And I carry the radio in case something happens. And I get a call on it. And when you're climbing on the mountain, you get a call on the radio based on the spots that you can see. You get 15 minutes to call back down to base camp and say everything's okay. So the call comes in and I start looking like, where can we stop and do a phone call? But then I get another call and another call and another call. This is four calls within five minutes. Instantly, I'm thinking, what's wrong? Like, what just happened? We'd been hearing avalanches all morning, but this is the mountains. You hear avalanches all morning every day. That's how you know it's warm enough to start climbing. The avalanches start happening. This time we get the radio, we stop, I hand the radio off to the porters, and they start talking. I'm trying to listen intently as if I can all of a sudden understand Pakistani. I can't. And what feels like five hours, but was probably only five minutes, the radio gets handed to me. And in broken English, I hear the words, Jen, there's been an avalanche. Rick's dead, Stefan's injured, Jordy's trapped on the mountain until the weather gets colder again and we can get a helicopter to where he is and the helicopter blades won't trigger another avalanche. I don't have anywhere to put this, like what? what just happened? And I'm trying to process it. What does this mean? How did someone die? What, like, does this real? National Geographic calls K2 a savage mountain that tries to kill you. Is it gonna kill me next? Another team comes up. They, the porters start talking to each other. And then some of the people start saying my name. They must have said it a few times because I have to repeat it to myself to understand that someone's talking to me. And they go, hey, Jen, 
Your team's going down based on what just happened, but you're allowed to go with us up the mountain. Do you want to go summit with our team? We're two days from a summit. I've been on this mountain for four weeks. And I sit there, and I'm like, no. I don't want to go climb this mountain right now. My teammate just died. Another one's injured. Another one's stuck. I want to be there for my team. And I'm reminded of my mantra. I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. And I want to be known as somebody that lives with integrity. So I say, people over peaks. I change my climbing devices and I start going down the mountain. I get down to base camp and I do an impromptu funeral. I help an injured climber get on a helicopter to be heli-evac'd. And then I start helping pack up our camp to start the 70-mile trek out to where you meet cars for a 36-hour car ride to get to the airport to fly home. And mountains have climbing seasons. So there's different times of the year that's safer to climb. In Pakistan, you climb in July. And we're getting to the beginning of August. And the climbing season ends in Pakistan because the snow starts to melt from the sun and then we start having rivers where we didn't have rivers and roads get washed out and all these different pieces. So we start hiking out. The first two rivers that we have to go through, they're cold, I take my shoes off, I maybe bleed a little bit on a foot because debris rushes over my foot. We come up to this third river and I'm looking at it. How are we gonna cross this thing? Um, and they're like, oh no, no, we're not crossing it right now. We need to wait till it's colder and the sun hasn't been out so that there's less snow melting so then the flow isn't as strong. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I hope that happens soon. A couple hours later, they send an animal across. The animal doesn't make it. I'm like, oh, it's not ready yet. I'm like, really? That's the methodology we use to see if the river's ready for somebody to cross? Two animals, they send another one out. The second animal doesn't make it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot do this. Like, I have an injury. Where's the helicopter? Let's go. We do not, do it was insane. The third animal makes it. So the third animal makes it across, he has a rope, and then almost immediately, 20 Pakistani people get into this glacier cold water up to their chest, lock elbows, and they form a bridge. They hand all of our gear over the top. I have my shoes off. I'm like in as little clothing as I can. And I am freezing and I get in the water and I have to go hand over hand to get to the other side. I get to the other side of this river and I want to cry so bad. I can't even use my fingers because they're so cold. They won't unzip the backpack to put dry clothes on. And I look back, I think, wow, there's 20 people that just risked their life so that I could cross and get home. And the amount I paid was five US dollars to do so. They wouldn't even take more money when I tried to give it to them. So finally we get to where the cars are. 
takes me five vehicles to get to the airport because the car will drive to a point where the road's washed out. You get out of the car, you grab your gear, you hike to where the road's good again, and you get in a new car, and they'll drive you to a point. In 2021, when I was climbing in Pakistan and this incident happened, the United States pulled out of Afghanistan. Afghanistan is next-door neighbors to Pakistan. So when we had to do checkpoints with our passports, it was at the second-to-last checkpoint that they said, hmm, you're too high of a target for us. We're going to put you in this unmarked police car. Thankfully, I was really tired because I don't know if I would have gotten into it otherwise. And it was truly a police car, which I look back on and think, wow. Um, so I got to the airport. I flew home. I landed in L.A. I took one of those, like, I am home. I am safe. I am in the U.S. I stayed in a hotel for a couple days before I went back to Utah, where I'm from, because I wasn't ready to face my kids. Kids know when you're lying. Kids know when things don't feel right. And so in this hotel, I did what I call a grump dump. And I dumped everything bad that had happened on this expedition. Some stuff like scratchy toilet paper, doesn't matter. Some stuff like a teammate passing away needs to be evaluated more. And it just allowed me to focus on what truly was the problem and how I could come to peace with everything. So I get back into Park City, and one of my friends is like, hey, what happened? How'd it go? I'm like, yeah, it was a pretty tough expedition. One of my teammates died. He was 68 years old, single, married to mountaineering, and died in an avalanche on the deadliest mountain in the world. I'm sad, but I'm also looking at this as he died while living. What other way could a human in his situation die and feel good about? So I kind of came to peace with that as much as I could. Then my kids came home from camp. They're like, Mom, Mom, did you summit? I said, no, I didn't, but I had success. They're looking at me like, what do you mean? I'm like, a friend of mine on my team passed away. And instead of going for the summit, I came back and helped take care of my team. And who we are as people is so much more important than anything we'll ever achieve. And I'm glad I showed up as a person I'm proud of. My kids are like, okay, sounds good. So life goes on, and I'm training to go back to K2 because it's one of my mountains, and I have to climb it to get the world record. I am not excited about going back and knowing what I'm getting into. But then three weeks before it's time to go back to Pakistan for a second time, I get a phone call from somebody that knew I was there the year before, knew I was coming back, knew what I was trying to accomplish. They said, hey, Jen, there's a Pakistani female that's been training to climb her country's prized peak. She doesn't have the resources to make it happen. And we were wondering if you could help. I'm like, yes, I can help. So I brought over gear and some other things and went back to Pakistan. And on July 22 of 2022, I stood on top of the mountain, excited, 
Oh, these are some clips that I forgot to show you along the way. Sorry, this is the top of the mountain. And if you can see in the background, there's a flag waving. 30 minutes after I got to the top, the first Pakistani female stood on top of her country's prized peak. The first Muslim female stood on top of this mountain, declaring to the world that we can do amazing things. I have twin daughters. I know how important it is for them to see me in environments that I don't belong. I can't imagine how significant this is for little girls all over the world to see somebody that looks like them on top of one of these mountains. And I share this story because we're gonna have times in our lives where the obstacles or the setbacks or the failures feel so overwhelming and they don't make sense and we want to give up. I wanna encourage you to pause and just think maybe the creator has something in mind for me. Maybe my story needs to have more to it and I just don't understand what that is. Maybe you're still on the climb. So, I just set the world record June 1st, 2023 as being the first female to climb the seven second summits. I will tell you that that award or that accolade is the least of my success in this entire pursuit. The story that I shared to you about K2 is one of seven stories that is like that, that I'm just humbled I was used as a vessel to bring these stories to the world. So this week, while you're looking at your lives, I hope you stop and say, how am I choosing to live? What am I choosing to do with my one magic life? And that's it. Thanks again to Jen for sharing her story. I appreciate it. And also understanding the assignment of Pink Day today and Spirit Week. That was great. That was awesome. Um, I hope as you hear her story and how she used her experiences, you also reflect on the stories that you hear from others and feel free to share some of your stories so that we can learn from each other. Jen will be next in the fellowship hall where there are some cookies available and you can meet her. So we thank her again for being here. Um, also, there's an LSU voter registration table out there as well. So if you haven't registered yet, you can vote. Um, but thank you, and you are dismissed. <laughs>